0: achieve our full potential. Your journey to transformation begins right now. Let's do this. Hello, hello. This is Tracy Harrell. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> this is so exciting. You guys know I don't do Facebook. I'm actually doing a Facebook Live right now. So I'm actually doing a Facebook Live, doing my live show that's live on YouTube. And this is all about It's bigger than me. I got to look right here for my Facebook people. So we're recording this on YouTube. It's a part of this bigger initiative that we're leading. And what's super exciting about today is that we're continuing to change the world. Like we are literally in the process of changing the world. So let's see. I got the gallery view. Somehow, Nathan, I'm going to let you guide this via visual. Today on the show, I have Dr. Jerry Bertard. And Dr. Jerry Bertard has been a guest uh, probably since the very beginning, you've been part of this initiative since the very beginning. And what's yes. exciting about right? Yes, yes, I have. <laughs> what's exciting about this is we're changing the world, and you're not afraid to do so. Like you, 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 you understand that part of what we're doing. This show has two levels. I, I shut off my my um, I shut off my camera for a second there because I wanted you to see that I'm officially an internationally best-selling author. Yes, in eight countries and fourteen different Amazon book categories. And Dr. Tart, you were with me when I was writing the first book, as I was writing and starting this, this whole journey. In this book, I talk about my personal d journey, but this show is called Bigger Than Me because it's so much bigger than me. We just had an initiative this past week, and it was the third in a series of six that's called Achieving Racial Equity and Inclusion in Business, Education, Wealth, and Health. And what I love about that is it's a systems change. And Dr. Char, I'm going to have you introduce yourself and tell us why is it so important for us to have this conversation right now about achieving racial equity and inclusion and in business, education, wealth, and health.
1: Hello, everybody. Thank you again, Tracy. I truly enjoyed being on your show. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to be able to share and talk with um those who are listening about the significance of mental health, because that is something that I am, that's near and dear to my heart. I am a uh, um, psychologist here, a psychotherapist here in uh, Orlando, Florida. I've been in the business for more than 40 years, but I've been in private practice for the last 21 to 22 years. So why is it so important? It is so important because our, um, not only, is it important because of the significance of being included but it's important because the way because of the way that we perceive ourselves in the world if it were that um we were constantly excluded then that brings about a sense of um it impacts our esteem it impacts our our sense of self it impacts the uh, us from the perspective of not having worth. so the sense of being included is, is important on so many levels. But when we think about what does it, how do we contribute to that process of thought? It's important that we understand the significance of who we are and, and why it is that we specifically were created and what it is that we add to the, the, the mix as it were. Um, we are wonderfully and fearfully made according to the scripture. Um, it's important to understand that um, God created us in his image for his purpose, according to the scripture as well. So um, the fact that there are so many things that are ongoing in our systems, in the workplace, as it relates to being included or and or excluded, Changing this for, for, for such a time as, as this, it's important for us to understand that we've got something to say. We've got something positive to bring to the table. We've got to believe that it is critical for us to uh, express that, to push that envelope, as it were, because there are so many that's coming after us. The influence that we give, whether it's in our homes, in our communities, in our churches or in the business, it is it is important. There is a uniqueness that we, and that's each of us, regardless yes. of our race, regardless of our creed or color, each of us bring yes. what we bring because it was so designed and it's important for us
0: to open up and say such a thing. Oh, I love it. I love it. The, the, the other person, one of the other guests we have on the show today is Ben... Pusey? Pusey. Close Pusey. enough. Pusey. <laughs> Listen, I could have made some other mispronunciation, so thank you very much. So introduce yourself, Ben, and tell us who you are and, and, and why is it important for us to have this conversation around achieving racial equity and inclusion in business education, wealth, and health? Why 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 is now so important?
2: Uh, my name's Ben Pusey. I'm also from Orlando, Florida. I'm a small business owner. Um, I spent 10 years in corporate America, and um, a couple years before that working in politics and in radio myself. Um, I have, talking with Tracy, you really got me to want to talk about an aspect of my time in corporate America that I that I don't really talk about a lot, which is the challenge of being someone who is not just a person of color, but is someone who has a typical way of thinking that really reflects something that's not the homogenous group think that we often see in corporate America, especially when you get past middle management into directorships and and, and VP um, level scenarios. We have this sense in this country that we have achieved diversity if we just add some women or some people of color to the room, but we actually sometimes in corporate America set up requirements that those women or those people of color shave off the parts of them that make them uniquely women, uniquely people of color, their experiences, their cultural backgrounds, So they fit into the same cultural requirements of the predominantly white male uh, Mm -hmm. structures that are already there. And so that was something that I ran into a lot was that we didn't feel like in our company that being a a woman or being a black person or being a Latino is something that would bar you from being able to reach the highest levels within the organization. Mm -hmm. It was bringing a diversity of thought that would get you blacklisted, Mm -hmm. allow you to not be able to move up so if you're not able to bring in the things that make you unique your cultural background your gender um identity and the different things that make you 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 can't bring that into the room because then you're not a great fit for our leadership team well then have you really achieved any type of diversity or have you really just gotten black women and and men and other groups to act and think like the rest of the people who are already there
0: uh. You know, you know we're going to come back to that, right? Because that's really the focus of today's conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm leading this national initiative, and it is, again, it's called the Bigger Than Me Success Series, and we have endeavored, we are going to increase, achieve the achievement of racial equity and inclusion. It's by having these types of conversations. I say it's real talk and real action for real solutions. Right? We, it, we we are way past the time when we can continue to have the same type of conversations, right? And, and not do things differently. So what you just described, you talked when you you and I first met, I was visiting Orlando and you talked about having to literally physically shave off parts of your body in order to and I was like, gee, you know, I, I feel you, my brother. <laughs> I mean that's all we've, we all that. we've all experienced. <laughs> You know, that's where the term code switching comes from, where you have to be a certain way in corporate America. And they say, oh, no, please bring your authentic self. Okay. Even if I bring 10% of my authentic self, we realize that that can be too much, especially when it's authentic thought, especially when you're challenging the status quo. When I was in corporate America, I literally, I knew, I mean, I was having experiences that were so traumatic that I was like, you know, I could have just left. And I had some mentors say, you know what, girl, you are as smart as you are. You can go get a job anywhere you want. But I was in a leadership role. I'm president of the National Black MBA Association Seattle chapter. And we're hiring people from around the country to come to Seattle to these major corporations. Right. And yet, you know, if if, if not me, Someone who's clearly courageous, who's like, okay, I'm willing to fight this fight, then who? And if not now, then when? And so, Dr. Tart, one of the things you said when when previously, and I'm going to introduce Larissa, I'm going to introduce you in a second, but one of the things you talked about was this idea of how the, how the challenges can cause trauma and how we don't, we, even as the people being traumatized, because we realize that's kind of like the price of doing business. We minimize the trauma and we call it something else. Can you talk about that? And then I'm gonna introduce you, Larissa, because I'm gonna have you talk about your PhD in a second. So Dr. Tartt, just real quick, I wanna make sure the conversation is fluid around this concept of trauma that we don't even recognize because we, we just
1: accept it. To the point that you've just made, and um, efforts to try to fit, as it were, since that seemingly was the status quo, we would. We would uh, uh, minimize the, the impacts of, of, of what we were experiencing it. We would call it something else. But as the, as the adage goes, a rose by any other name is still a rose. So the tra- traumatic experiences that we were having, we were, we were believing that in order for us to fit, we would have to call it something else. We would have to pretend as if whatever it is that we were experiencing really wasn't about what we were experiencing. And so we were giving it another name. When we experienced trauma, it changes the view our view of the world and it doesn't matter whether it's physical trauma or mental tra- emotional or mental trauma the reality is that there is a change and as a result of that ben to your point if if we are if we are aware of the fact that we are experiencing this then what we bring to the table is not our authentic self so what happens is that even within us we begin to marginalize the uniqueness that we have we began to try to uh, uh, call it something else, paint it a different color, do whatever, but that's not our authentic self. And ultimately, it's going to do what any illness will do when if it's not taken care of. There is going to be such a major impact that there's going to be some kind of an explosion, some kind of volatility because of the trauma, because we've called it something else. So. Now, if ever there was a time, this is the time for us to say, we aren't going to do that anymore. You say that this is what you want, so let's bring, this is who I am, this is what I've got to share, this is my narrative. Whether you can appreciate it, whether you don't understand it, you need something else in terms of helping to understand it, let me help you do that. But this is my narrative, and it's real. And I have something to say that will impact the whole. So it's imperative for us to understand that we must call it by its name. And we must address it accordingly.
0: Yes, ma'am, Dr. Tar. I love doing a live show for for a thousand different reasons. Partially because it gets, it gets it allows us to be our our authentic self. We're not trying to do anything except change the world. How hard is that? <laughs> We're just yeah. changing the world. So, Dr. Tar, you're so gorgeous, and I need for you to cut the room the amount of room above your head in half. So that either means lean forward or angle your camera. Either way, it's gonna be all good, Larissa. Um. Can you do a quick introduction, but don't cut your beautiful head off, Larissa, <laughs> Larissa, Larissa is also one of my favorite people. Larissa, I want you to do a, a quick introduction. Tell us who you are. And then let's talk about, you know, the same question I ask you is why is this important right now? And you have a PhD in two things. You know, part of the reason, part of the things that we're using for this broader initiative is positive psychology. Adaptive leadership and self-directed learning, and what's beautiful is you have some expertise in all of these areas. So you and I have bonded. You're like my sister from another mother. You're like another one of those women. I said that to JB Owen, who is the publisher of the book that, that I, the first book that I, um, uh
2: an international bestseller for. I can't stop saying that. <laughs> I get to say it. It have a ring to it. <laughs> just, just for the record, I am the author of some amazing Facebook posts. <laughs> All right, Ben. You go, God. <laughs> I love it.
0: I'm new to Facebook, so I cannot pretend. The fact that I'm doing a Facebook Live, I don't even know if it's working. <laughs> oh, this is Janice Howard is is watching. Yay! <laughs> I don't even know how that works. But anyway, Larissa, tell us about um, your expertise as it relates to positive psychology. Your Your thesis, I believe, was on the concept of adaptability and change, because basically that's what we're doing. We're having people tell their stories, be true. To that own self be true at a different level of of, of re, a reality check to corporate America to say I know you want inclusion but here's what we're really experiencing Here, here's what this really looks like for many of us we cannot speak for every black person but I've done about a thousand interviews right I've done tons and tons of research I am the, the retention rates speak for themselves <laughs> basically so let's just be clear there's still people who don't believe that there's a problem. What can you share um, Larissa around you, you, you had discovered three key things around adaptability and change that people can, that, that are important grit. And what were the other, t- t- tell us yes. about that, who you are, and what are those three things that people can focus on
3: in adaptability? First, I would like to thank you to, for the invitation to this wonderful panel. And uh, I am in a good company because you touched spirituality, and also the diversity of thought this is what i really think where diversity of talents lie and i'm so grateful that you include people of different races and different uh, color of skin to be your allies because i am you are (laughs) um i am an international educator i lived And worked in four countries. I was born in Germany, grew up in Ukraine, got my um, uh, doctoral program in Moscow University and then the University of Tennessee. Came to the United States as a Fulbright scholar, and then got my doctoral degree at the University of Tennessee. And because I had to move to different countries, start my life from scratch more than four times. I found that understanding the uh, culture and also understand self is the most important thing. So my dissertation was about finding the relationship um, between uh, learning on your own or self-directed learning and cultural adaptability. And uh, the uh, findings, uh, revealed that resilience is the most important factor to be successful for any endeavor, whether you are learning, whether you are starting a new business or moved to another country or lost a spouse or a limb or anything. So that's why I am an author of um, a new program which is called Joyful Resilience. Uh, which incorporates uh, life skills with emotional uh, management, understanding how our emotions can trigger some trauma that came either from childhood or from corporate America or from academia. I have been in academia for more than 20 years, and uh, it it is similar to corporate um, uh, world, that there are certain rules and um, regulations that do not allow you to be your authentic self. And that's why I left it in 2015, because I could not tolerate standardized testing or gatekeeping uh, where students cannot show how smart they are. So uh, the testing shows what they don't know and they cannot even know if they're new to the country instead of what they bring to the table oh. and to be recognized for, t- for their talents. I, I love that. that. Is, yes. Um, that's why I wanted to start my own uh, program, uh, which is comprehensive and includes in positive psychology. And positive psychology um, deals with three levels. It's personal traits, but also societal trends how organizations can create welcoming environment and learning uh, atmosphere that is inducive to learning.
0: I love it. I love it. Let me me just interject real quick. So she she said three things. I just want to make sure we tie this in. Did you guys see the perfect parallel, Ben? Mm -hmm. She's from Moscow, the Ukraine. She's in the academic space. Yet, when you think about this concept of equity and inclusion, and I'm saying, racial equity and inclusion but anything mm-hmm. it's been proven historically anything that works well for black people yes. anything that benefits yes. black people black women because we have the, the the we have both the the racial yes. challenges as well as the 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 um what word do i use the
2: um sex gender gender
0: thank you very much i Thank you. The gender gender bias. So There's racial bias and gender bias as well. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. So we have both of those things. So any any initiative mm-hmm. that's going to benefit, that's going to level the playing field, it basically creates equality and inclusion. For everyone, it's not, it's not about giving it to black people. It's basically saying, let's ensure that the things that we know happen, and we've done tons of research about the key challenges, right? These are terms that we've all heard. Unconscious bias, unequal performance standards, similarity bias, and a lack of CEO accountability. Those were the three challenges that our research is as a part mm-hmm. of the National Black MBA Association. And again, we've been around for 50 years. The organization was started, just so we're clear, started based on these types of challenges. Start it. Do you understand what I mean? So we've been talking about these things for 50 mm-hmm. years. We now have beautiful labels for them. But really what we're trying to do now is move from this concept of courageous conversations to courageous mm-hmm. activations, courageous activations. So um, uh, Nathan, let me know when you have the, the, the first uh, clip ready. We're going to play part of that from a prior um, event. Because what, what was really interesting is she just mentioned the diversity of thought, yes. how important it is and when that's not allowed right when it's not allowed you feel like you have to give up part of yourself ben you've you've talked about cutting off arms cutting off limbs you you've you've said you've tried to be yourself but it didn't always work out tell us a little bit
2: about Oh. oh that's not correct I was always myself which which created very much a ceiling for me which created like you this is as far as you're going to go sir um and so understand when i talk about shaving off pieces of yourself it's important to understand it's not the corporation that's shaving off the pieces of your of yourself. It's you doing it. It's you saying the corporation creates the standard, creates the expectation of what it's going to take to go from entry level employee to manager, from manager to director, from director to VP. And if you don't conform to that orthodoxy, then you just won't get promoted. Like you'll just hit your wall, and that's as high as you're going. And so, if the incentive structure is such that I have to conform, then people that don't, I, again, I don't wanna you know, challenge people's motives. Sometimes you know, you gotta provide for your family. So if you want that 20, $30,000 pay raise, then you do what you have to do. Um, but for somebody who's got a strong a sense of self as I do, that's not a price I was willing to pay for a couple extra thousand dollars a month. That's just not something I'm willing to do. And one of my proudest moments in my career is when my director sat me down and I was the training manager in charge of coaching other managers and new hire and onboarding and et cetera. And he said, Ben, you bring so much value to this team, but you bring so much conflict. And I, I looked him dead in his face. And I said, Brian, do I bring so much conflict or do I want to address the problems that need to be addressed that you would prefer to sweep under the rug?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: That That's who I am, because mm-hmm. I'm striving. If I'm going to play a role in creating this culture in our leadership team, we're going to have a meritocracy. And that means that if we have a manager that's deficient, we're going to call that manager deficient. We're going to do our best to coach them, but we're going to remove them. We're not just going to say, hey, we like this person. We golf with this person. Or we hang out with this person. And because they're a part of the, the club, be it the boys club or the you know mostly Caucasian club or whatever club it is that's the culture of the leadership team, we're going to excuse their lack of performance their lack of capability and meanwhile we're blocking other people who we view as people who bring conflict but those are actually the performers those are actually the ones who are willing to do what it takes for them to be able to rise up despite the challenges and the blockades that are placed in front of you i love that she mentioned before resiliency is the key factor to success and I had a point in my career where all of the people that I was looking to for guidance, for mentorship in my organization, which was a Fortune 500 company, not a small organization, were all Black women. And I'm sitting there as someone who works in HR, like, hey, am I biased here? Am I, am I only choosing Black women because I only respect Black women and I've got an issue with the Caucasian men that are around me? And what the conclusion that I came to was that I was actually setting a skill set requirement to be my mentor. Um, You had to have a certain level of integrity and character, a certain level of competence, a certain level of charisma. And the only people that were clearing those marks were the black women who had found a way in a a predominantly white male dominated organization to be so much better than their counterparts that they were able to still become regional uh, directors, territory VPs, et cetera. The black women versus their white male counterparts were just night and day better than their peers. And so when I meet the group of regional people, the most charismatic, dynamic, smartest one that had the most to to give to me as someone who was looking for coaching and to grow just happened to be the black woman almost every time. And as I got to know them better and I got to sit down and talk with them, we talk about their struggles and what they had to do to overcome the biases and the prejudices that they faced. And it it was so obvious to me that this isn't fair. It's not fair that, this black woman has to be everything to everybody all the time for her to be able to move up the ladder. And yet we take Becky who it's her first job at a college. She's been, you know, above average for two years and now we're making her a manager over people who have outperformed her the entire time they were here. But we they viewed her a certain way. They viewed her as a good fit. And that was something I was always going to fight against. From the first day I got into leadership, I sat in a management interview and
0: it was a situation. <laughs> he, Dr. Dur, he called it a situation. I heard <laughs> that. That's the word that we use. A situation. So I, I have to admit, I haven't had that that experience. So what I what I like to say about this show is it's not that everyone who um, something happens in this phone and this computer dies. Y'all just keep talking because I see I got some issues down here. Um, so what I can say is um, let's see if that works. Okay. Um so what I can say is Dr. Tar there, there were people who were f- fantastic. I can think of uh one leader his name was Fred. He actually was the one who hired me into the company. Honestly, I think that was probably the hardest part for me is to actually try to reconcile white guy. Amazing. Still amazing to this day. I feel like he was a victim of the of the system as much as I was. Like I feel like he wanted to explain what was happening. And he couldn't. I feel like he definitely gave me space to try to figure it out, but by that time I was so traumatized because the system—they still had their knee on my neck. I call these things corporate chokeholds. So, Dr. Chart, my question to you is: How? How? What do you? What advice do you give to someone who's in the middle of a situation like Ben just described? Like he's—he basically said he—you he, know—he kind of went in unapologetically. Mm-hmm. I, I was not ever the angry black woman, even though I had every opportunity and every reason to be so. I smiled my way through that organization because I just wanted to be a part of change. And I believe that these are good people, even though the experiences that I had were I literally, not possibly, but I definitely, without a doubt, (laughs) exceeded every expectation that was put before me, delivered five times what they asked because I knew I had to like do that in order to get at least what they said they were gonna give, right? So Dr. Todd, what what advice would you give psychologically? <laughs> Give us some quick psychotherapy and, and for the for the record, this is not psychotherapy, by the way. This is um uh information. So yeah. we do we do recommend that people get official mental health. But Dr. Chop, what what advice would you share for people who who are, you know, there's this dichotomy of information that's coming through. These are good people, but the experience that I'm having is non-optimal and I wanna make it better.
2: Non-optimal That's a great way to describe it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that,
1: with that being said I think is that that? It, it is about it is about choice we do have choices we have to recognize the impact that is having on us we have to recognize the impact of the struggle we really do
4: right um,
1: we have to be, be 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 willing to say that this is what's happening and i've got to make some choices um i think that the most one of the most powerful things about um a healthy mind is to identify certainly the issue and then decide in what direction do I choose? Okay, let's talk about conscious choice because that's what we're talking about. And it's going to be on every corner of life as it were. You know, whether it's in the business world and education and and Larissa, I want to applaud you. You were so on point when you were talking about resiliency, because that's one of the things that we're talking about. Tracy, in terms of reading your story, I remember when you made a conscious decision that is about justice. I've got to do something because this is who I am. This is what I stand for. So as it relates to what then do I do? When I'm in this quandary and I realize that this is where it is, what do I choose to do? We make a conscious decision. Everybody believes in something. Okay? Everybody does. And whether it's the bigger than me moment or whether we give credence to God for all and everything or whether it is that people turn to, to themselves or whatever, we believe in something and we need to check it. Right. We need to go there and just determine, hey, is this the thing that's going to get me to where I am? Ben, you said a moment ago, I made the decision that, hey, yeah, there's a beautiful six figure income or whatever, but I'm I'm more than that. And, and I don't mean that to be unkind or, or, or to minimize the impact of, of making a good salary. That's not what I'm trying to say. Who are you? We, I know as a therapist, there are a number of clients that I've had through the years who are making the major bucks, and they are miserable, absolutely right. miserable. So the point is, is that important? Is that the value that you're looking for? Is that the core of your existence? So then we go back to that choice. I choose to be uh, sane, as sane as I understand uh sanity. Okay, <laughs> I choose to be mentally sound, as it were. So I am maybe Happy. Making- Exactly. Yes. like, I, cho-
0: like I-, exactly. I chose to be happy. So my book, the, the the story that I wrote in the book, Ignite Happiness, mm-hmm. the best-selling book, Ignite Happiness. <laughs> I'm only a few weeks in, so I get to say that a few more times. It's, it's so new. But I, I chose happiness. Even though I was being traumatized, I still chose happiness because I thought I could be a part of the difference. I thought I could make a difference. Dr. So Charles, try- the other thing I was going to ask you, you know, you, you you sat on the call with us – you. you Actually, you were in the first session. We just had our second session on 9-9. So you were in the session on 7-7 and 8-8. The session we just had on 9-9, it's all on YouTube, by the way, on my YouTube channel. Check it out. It's all bigger than me. Um, uh, they made a point. It was Rex. So Rex Brown, he's part of the governor's panel. He's part of this initiative. He's part of this, this, this team that's moving this initiative forward. And he said that Black people um, have a bias for change. Oftentimes, we have a bias For change when it comes to like when you're in a corporate role and that check is rolling in and this is kind of like we've made it right i'm making a couple hundred thousand dollars you know that's that was my definition of success but real sex success true success is when you when you're when you know you're leaving a legacy you're doing the right thing and you're not going to allow other people to have an experience that you had like there's some responsibility there too so that was kind of my my issue so when, when when he talked about the bias for change and then uh, Bruce Thompson, who's the president of the National Black NBA Association, nationally, um, he actually said that MLK, when he started his pursuit to, 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 to for civil rights, to, to, to tell black people that you can you can have more, he said what he encountered was more resist as much resistance from black people as he did from white people, because we were comfortable in the lot that we were dealt. We thought that was all that we would do. And Basically, now this initiative this- is around safety.
2: This yeah. is the best we've ever had it. So why would we want to rock why the boat? Why would we rock the boat? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and I and wanna
3: just oh, go ahead, uh, Um, I wanted to uh, applaud your choice of happiness. I also have education um, as a, in linguistics. And from linguistics point of view, the v- choice of words and language of love and kindness is really important. And uh, from psychological point of view, or from um, spiritual point of view, love is stronger than hatred or anger. Anger is an emotion, but love is innate state of our soul. So when we speak the language of love, that we share this energy of care and support that uh, breaks down the barriers and walls across cultures mm. so that is what that. my other initiative to use language for understanding across it, cultures
0: yes and you're a happiness coach
3: clear, right? i am a happiness you, you, coach your
0: happiness coach and part mm-hmm. and part of that has to do with so you talked about adaptability and mm-hmm. culture change so larissa when you think about those two if you think about what ben described it has his experience in corporate America. We have another video we're going to show here in a second if we have time that's, that's really about, again, another person in corporate America who had a challenge, right? Um, matter of fact, I'm going to have you show play, play the beginning of that video, Ben. Um, Nate, I'll call you out. I think I'm going to stop halfway through. So I'm going to have a play of video, and I'll have you guys come back and respond to it real quick. Okay. So, ladies, everyone on this call, real quick, we just heard three foundational elements that are part of this series related to, you heard Brene Brown talk about telling our stories. You heard LaPraise talk about key challenges. Does anyone want to talk about the importance of telling our story about key challenges? I'm going to ask Miss Rachel because I know you have a story to tell. Absolutely. So so, so, so the, the, the reason I'm going to, uh, the reason we, we know it's important is because
5: because we think we're crazy if we don't share it. We think we're the only one that's going through it. And when we start to tell our stories, when we start to tell our truths, we realize that it's not just us. And you have to remember a lot of us going to environments where there aren't a lot of African-Americans. And so you feel like your journey or your experience is um, unique to you. But as you start to tell your story or as you start to share with others, and tell your truth then you find out that it's not unique to you a lot of other african-americans are having the same experience i remember sharing a story with one of my mentors greg greg hinton um, about um, bringing, bringing in a project that had been tried at a company previously and it had failed. And I went in, tackled it, got the team to think outside the box and really knocked it out and came back and we slam dunked it. And everyone kind of looked at us like it wasn't a success. And so um, he laughed and he said, yeah. he said, well, what happens is they give you a stick and some duct tape and they send you into the woods to kill the bear. And you go off and you do your little thing and you come back and you drag the bear into the middle of the campfire. And you're like, yes, I killed the bear. And they're looking at you like you're a three headed monster because when someone sends you into the woods with a stick and, a, and some duct tape, you are not supposed to come back with the bear. You're supposed to die. So, so so he he said that um to help me understand why my success why the team's success was not a success in corporate america and and it's not uncommon it's not uncommon for us to overperform, to 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 really do great work unique work things to accomplish things that are out of the norm at companies and not be recognized for it that is not out of the norm and i think the more we share those stories we'll bring some light to it and we'll have an opportunity now we have an opportunity to correct those wrongs
0: yeah. I, 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 I
4: love that yes sir eric as much with that is understanding how to listen to the stories i think that um, and accept the stories because sometimes we don't want to listen to the stories or we want to deflect the stories so we can somehow live some type of romantic idea that this stuff is not necessarily about us or there's some different way. Generationally, I see the, the, the Kiannas of the world and the Cassandras of the world and all the other and, and the years of the world t- having their story to tell. But when we look at younger generations, they're telling the truth and accepting the truth and moving towards the truth. So, but my generation, I'm a boomer, um, we, we, we we, got comfortable with not hearing the truth. And if you tell me the truth, I will reject it and make it and gaslight you unwittingly <laughs> and, make, and and kind of push that truth down so we can live our lie. Now is the time to live our truth. And so that's really important the stories and listening to the stories and listening to our truths.
0: Mm, I love that so much. Like I said, I did invite two psychotherapists uh to the call who are also just women of god they're, they're, they're women who are are powerful in their own rights And i know kiana you could only join us for a few minutes so i'm going to ask you to uh, share your thoughts about the importance of telling our truth sharing our stories and and why
6: it's so important mm-hmm. um i think rachel hit it on the head that when we tell our stories we're forced to realize how many people have the same fears concerns stressors anxiety in our story and I think someone just commented but talked about how us in the black community are taught to keep our business to ourselves keep your business in your household and so when you take keeping your business to yourself and then I also think no one else has this business to share no one else has business like my business then it creates all these small pockets of isolation where we're never going to be able to get to community healing if we're all trying to deny that we need healing in our own Lives and our own families and our own friendships. Um, And I think when we're talking about corporate America and boardrooms in these spaces where diversity is the big thing, you know, us as people of color are not just thinking about who's at the table. We're also thinking about our friends, our family, people that we know are just as smart of us who kidnapped, they couldn't get to the table, right? That they were, they they got stopped at this security's desk downstairs. So it's also the stress and anxiety of, I know I'm kind of might be the one who made it. I might be the token. I might be identified as, you know, uh, you're the one in the family who's doing good, go out and set the stage for people to come. So there's compounded stress, not only from ourselves, but also people that are looking for us to make it. Um, And then that, that stress builds upon each other when we have families, children, friendships, like any other human being, none of that stuff goes away but it's really that compounded stress that kind of supplicates our voice and when it's time to tell your story that we all are really afraid and kind of to, to Bre- what Brene Brown said that then the story starts to own us and we're no longer the author or the narrator of what we're trying to share.
0: Oh, <clears throat> I love that. I love that. Dr. Jerry Tart, your thoughts about the importance of telling our stories and, and, is and so the value much. that it brings.
1: Uh, thank you, Tracy. I appreciate it. Um, It is so very true Um, when I listen to what the other uh, speakers have said. One of the thoughts that I had, uh, particularly when Kiana was talking, was that we sometimes for our, our sense of survival, Eric, you alluded to it, we call it something else. We don't identify trauma as trauma we 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 say that it's 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 oh i'll get over it or oh it was just their way or whatever and we we marginalize or minimize because oftentimes rachel just as you said it is you when you went in the woods you weren't supposed to come back it wasn't about the bear trust me on that one Okay. So as a result of coming back, it's like now I've got to deal with the fact that I sent you out there so that you could die. And now I've got to tolerate, I've got to I've got to try to assimilate what it is that you've just done. So because we aren't just talking about us as a, as a people, we're talking about corporations and businesses and all those kinds of things. So what do you do when the person who was supposed to have been killed by the bear brings the bear back? You, that paradigm has, has to shift. So what happens there uh, is that it's marginalized or it's minimized so then now, now we've got to deal with that trauma we take it on as if it were us like we did something wrong because we survived so we yeah. have to understand the significance mm-hmm. of trauma and how it it by virtue of being in a traumatic situation it shifts our entire paradigm as it relates to our world whatever it is that has caused us to survive and there's a traumatic experience that happens we've got to because we are survivors we have to shift. We have to shift, so we begin to take on the norms of the masses, as it were. And sometimes it's so subtle that we don't don't even realize the the, the tremendous impact that it has on our psyche.
4: Mm, I love it. I, Thank you very I, much. can jump in and ask. Um, ask you can, you, to you to it Thank a you so much.
0: Bit. Oh my goodness, that that was just a little snip. We have hours and hours and hours of amazing shows, but that was just a little snip. Ben, you, you, you showed up. I heard you, I saw you all rolling. <laughs> well, what do you got to say about that? Well, what, what, what so, First of all, what about that was, was, was got you excited? And then what would you like to share about it?
2: I feel like we're all running into the same core problem, which is leadership that is not secure enough in themselves. It It's like, it's like uh, Larissa said earlier, resiliency is like the key to success for you to get there, you know, to get over the mountain. Um, And it really is, it's something. It's a key trait um, and accountability. Um, Do you have an internal versus external locus of control? But once you become a leader, once you have a position of power, to me, the number one most important factor for that person is are they personally secure in themselves? Because if they are personally secure in themselves, and let's say, for example, in that story, they, when they came on board originally as a manager or whatever, they weren't able to kill the bear. They came back dead, right? And now, (laughs) a year later, this, you know, bald-headed Black woman goes out and kills the bear. (laughs) If you're insecure, you view that as like, wow, she's done something that I couldn't. She's a threat. She's a problem. I'm going to have to deal with the fact that she did something that we couldn't. And now we got to figure out how to marginalize her. Where if you were securing yourself, you'd be like, oh my gosh, somebody killed the bear with duct tape. Like, it's <laughs> a clips. We got a MacGyver on the team. Let's all grow. Let's all learn. Let's all do this. And that is what I've run into. And I feel like so many of us run into these situations where we're asked to tamp down our stardom simply because it's threatening to someone else. As oh. opposed to finding a leader who says, I'm, I'm the director or I'm the VP. It says that on the wall. It says that on my business card and no one's going to take that away from me. And the fact that you might be stronger than me in some area, that is an asset. That is something that will help me grow this team. That is something that I can benefit from, that I can make myself better. And if one day you become a VP of another area and you become my boss, more power to you because you're going to have something to teach me. I just saw you kill a bear. Like (laughs) it, it all boils down to, is this person secure enough in themselves to allow people to be who they are, to be their authentic selves, and not require them to shave those parts off to get into the room. Because I'm trying to build a team of rivals, as Abraham Lincoln would say, Um, and I want the person who isn't a good culture fit for the leadership team, I want the person who's going to bring the heterodox point of view. Because that's what's gonna test my ideas, and even at the end of the day, I get to make the decision no matter what. I'm the person in charge, right? But the fact that my idea was tested and vetted through a bunch of contrarian people who didn't automatically agree with it simply because it was my idea and I'm the person in charge, that is going to sharpen and hone my idea. And it's going to either put me in a position to change course because they pointed out blind spots that I didn't have, or it's going to improve my ability to articulate and sell this vision to the people above me because it was tested right here in my room. And it just boils down to, are you cool being challenged? Yeah. Are you secure enough to have someone say, I think that's a dumb idea, Ben, and be like, all right, tell me why you think it's dumb. Let's talk about it. And, and when I find those people, which is really the only thing I look for, if I'm going to work for someone, how secure in themselves are they? Because if they're insecure at all, I am six foot four. I am 300 pounds. I am louder than you. I am funnier than you. Most likely I'm smarter than you. I'm going to trigger your insecurities in some way, shape, or form, even if I have zero interest in your job. I don't have any interest in doing what you do. I'm happy with what I'm doing. Yet somehow, the person who points out the problem becomes the problem because Hmm. they're pointing out issues that you don't really want to deal with because it points out your prior failings and who you hired, who you promoted, and where you mess things up over the course of time. Wow. Dr.
0: Char, I saw you getting all riled up. I saw the A man corner and you coming out. Thank you, Ben. What did you have to say, Dr. Char? What about that? What about Ben Ben? Ben got you all excited? Our time is up. One of the things that I
1: think is so, so powerful in terms of what it is that you said, do you know? Do you know why you were hired in that company? Do you know what you're supposed to do? What is that about? Are you in it to win it? I mean, are you bringing all that you've got there? And I think that what happens more, uh, a number of times, I won't say all the time, but oftentimes when we, uh, just as you were saying, uh, Tracy, I know that I did five times more than what they asked me to do. Okay. In that five, doing five times more, your number one may have been exactly what they asked you to do, and then you just you enhanced it and you enhanced it. In, and are you comfortable with that? To your point, Ben, that is on point. What did the what, what did you hire me? You hire me for you hired me to do yada yada. So I've done yada 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 yo yada whatever whatever. I've done that and I'm good at that and I'm well there. I'm not choosing to say that I am less than because you don't see that my yada yo was more than you asked for that's that that's what i got from that and i think that it is imperative as 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 people of color uh, gender differences or whatever that we identify that hey look wait a minute Let, let's go back to the drawing board this is what you said that you wanted me to do where where can you show me where i didn't do that and as a result of showing me that i did do that do i do i not speak can i not speak can i can, am, am i okay. stifled because i'm doing more you said that your. Uh, so, I may have even alluded to that before. What's your plan for whatever it is that we're, we're
0: where are we yes. growing to? We sorry,
1: it? In, in our last oh, two minutes, sorry, for our, stop, but, no, in, in,
0: in our last one minute of this hour, assume that the thousand people that I've interviewed, the, 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 the metrics say what they say, assume that we, we we are going to continue to have these challenges where work happens, you know, there's no credit or whatever the case may be, but we're working to change it. Yes. What? Piece of advice would you give to someone who's watching right now? I see somebody's who who's traumatized, who's experienced a trauma. What would you say to them right now about self-care? About what? What would you say? What should they do? First and foremost, uh, uh,
1: Tracy, one of the things that I'm going to say is get a therapist. Yeah, yeah, that's what I do. But I'm serious. Get a therapist, you heard it here get first. A, get a therapist. Get a therapist. <laughs> really, and where you can be safe, go to go and find someone to whom it is that you can connect, that you're safe, and you can just be your authentic self it doesn't matter your story whether your story looks like their story or whatever can we pour it out can we get the toxin out of our system right if, if we take a a, a a poison by accident and they, we go to the hospital they don't let us stay there you've got
0: to get that out of your system oh. so that you can become healthier that's the first oh. thing that's what i want to say Thank you. I, it up later. I, I, I I love that. And What's exciting is we have another hour of this show. We have another guest coming in, Debrina Jackson-Gandy. It'll be a surprise which of these guests stay with us for the next hour. <laughs> It'll be a surprise. But we're going to talk about optimization. We're going to shift from the concept of race, achieving racial equity and inclusion. We're going to talk about how do you live your best life in every aspect? Healthy body, healthy mind, healthy spirit, healthy relationships. So we're going to go do some rapid fire, hopefully some therapeutic aspects, as well as just <laughs> Living your best life. So, this is Tracy Harrell. It is my, Larissa. Thank you so much for your time. Hopefully, you can stay. Ben, you know, I love you. I know you got to go watch some football. Dr. Darrell, we'll see you. <laughs> thank you guys so much. And we'll be right back. This is Tracy Harrell. And it's so much bigger than me, baby.